my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 548. Welcome in. Uh, it's later in the day today, meaning that it's much hotter in this room. If I um, die during the show coughing on humidity, please do not blame me. I was waiting for news, hoping to see if Saquon Barkley, the Giants running back, would sign a long-term contract. Uh, and he did not. So I waited and I waited. And the show is going to be late now on a Monday, late on the East Coast, even late on the West Coast. I apologize. I was hoping we'd get news and it never came. So here we are. Um, the biggest story today, in my opinion, other than the running backs, which we'll get to, is that receiver DeAndre Hopkins signed with the Tennessee Titans. He signed a two-year, $26 million deal. It's worth up to $32 million with incentives. And, uh, I find this news incredibly disappointing. I'm sure if you're a Titans fan, you're excited, you can't wait. Um, but I, I really wanted to see DeAndre Hopkins play with a great quarterback. Someone like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or some really incredible, talented quarterback. And instead, we're going to watch DeAndre Hopkins play with Ryan Tannehill. That's going to be his quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. And, you know... Instead of playing with a quarterback that would make DeAndre Hopkins better, DeAndre Hopkins is going to play with a quarterback he's going to have to make better by elevating his quarterback. And that's fine. But I also, I heard DeAndre Hopkins say, I want to play for a great team. I want to win. And I believed him. I really thought he was going to go to a team that was a contender, maybe take less money, go to Kansas City or Buffalo. And in the end... Uh, he took the best offer, I think, that was on the table. A team that really needed him, by the way, which makes sense. I, It feels really good to be needed and good to contribute and good to be a really, like, welcomed part of your organization and necessary even. And certainly Tennessee needs him. They, they you know, the other day I just talked about how uh, Mike Vrabel, their head coach, was the had more touchdown catches, and he was a linebacker in the NFL than anyone else on their roster playing receiver. So they definitely need a great receiver like DeAndre Hopkins, but... Man, like DeAndre Hopkins went to a team that was 7-10 and 10 last year, did not make the playoffs, and uh, they're far from a contender, in my opinion, to win a Super Bowl. So they might make the playoffs, they're battling against Jacksonville, and if you're a Titans fan, I'm stoked for you. Like, really, really great. You got an awesome player, and I think he's going to make your team better. But as a, a fan, unbiased, just hoping to see DeAndre Hopkins play at a high level, I was like, oh, man. Okay, like, that's fine, and he'll probably get a lot of targets and maybe, I mean, certainly be the centerpiece of their offense, but I was hoping for more, and we're not going to get that, and I find that very disappointing. Now, one big question mark, though, with DeAndre Hopkins is, what's he going to do in Tennessee as far as production-wise? What is he going to bring to the table? The last two years, DeAndre Hopkins has been really, really good. Um, when he was on the field, he got a six-game suspension last year, but he is getting older. He's 31 years old. And it feels like a big if. Like, what does he bring to the table as a, as a receiver? Is he still going to be the DeAndre Hopkins of the past that was awesome and, you know, d catching jump balls over defenders and making them look silly? Or is he going to have a little bit of a petering off and not be quite as good as he's been in years past? He's an aging receiver. And I've seen a lot of aging receivers go to Tennessee and do nothing. I, and it's... I'm just hoping history doesn't repeat itself. Um, I really hope this is a big move. And as far as parity across the league, it's probably great. You know, when you want to see another team be elevated and be a contender and have a better shot to make the playoffs and be competitive, that's what this deal did. It made Tennessee a little bit better and made the NFL maybe more interesting across the board. So that's great from a parity standpoint. It's probably not the best thing for the NFL's parity if DeAndre Hopkins had gone to Kansas City and just you know, gave the, the rich getting even richer in Kansas City. I, I'm sure that would have been a very discouraging thing for NFL fans. But I wanted to see DeAndre Hopkins play at a high level with a great quarterback. And we're just not going to get that. I, I think he's going to play at a high level. And I think he's going to have a decent quarterback who uh, is going to rely heavily on his talent. But, man, I, it just feels like a missed opportunity for some of the best matchups and the best, how do I even say this, connections between quarterback and, and receiver we've ever seen. And instead... We get Ryan Tannehill throwing to um, DeAndre Hopkins. It kind of reminds me of Jimmy Garoppolo throwing to Devontae Adams in Las Vegas. Everyone's like, oh, who's going to stop Jimmy Garoppolo to Devontae Adams? 
the meme is Jimmy Garoppolo is going to stop that. <laughs> like He's going to get in his own way. And I, I just, man, I would have loved to see DeAndre Hopkins with a great quarterback. We're not going to get to see that. But I, I do have to acknowledge it makes Tennessee better, I think, and uh, certainly makes the league more interesting across the board. Now, last week I said something. I said that J.J. Watt withered away and did not do anything in Arizona last year. I got some criticism for that. I think it was fair to disagree with me. I try to listen when I get criticism. I go, hey, like, am I wrong about this? What, what, are the, what do people have to say and take feedback? And um, I think it was very fair to disagree with me. So let's be clear. Now, a little correction here. J.J. Watt had 12 and a half sacks last year in Arizona. He led his team. Uh, he was also number eight in the entire NFL, four sacks, uh, tied with Brian Burns and Max Crosby. So to say that J.J. Watt withered away to nothing is just not true. Um, he was a really good player on a really horrible team that went 4-13. and 13. Take what you want with that information. I, I hope we see... Um, I was talking about Von Miller, saying I hope Von Miller doesn't just wither away into obscurity. And even though J.J. Watt had a productive year, 12 and a half sacks last year, he didn't do anything noteworthy, really. Like, he didn't win, wasn't a part of a big thing. It was just kind of a, oh, J.J. Watt's out there, great. But he, he certainly wasn't a bad player last year, and I want to kind of correct the record there. Um, and thank you to the people who uh, are kind of keeping me in check. That's what I love about this show is I really try to be open and, and listen to people. And if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. I think it makes the show better and more interesting. So um, J.J. Watt did, did not do nothing in Arizona last year. 12 and a half sacks, that's a big deal, number eight in the NFL. But uh, he didn't win and didn't do anything from a national standpoint. They're like, wow, they were, he went to that team and they were great. And that's really what I meant. But um, for, for clarity's sake and being accurate, um, I, I wanted to get that clear and set the record straight. Now, uh, I set up the Strong Opinion Sports Fantasy Football League this past weekend. Uh, it's awesome. I'm really excited. We're using the Sleeper app, which I hear is great for doing fantasy football on your phone. Uh, I've got 16 teams in the league. So far, nine of them are, are up and running and confirmed. I sent out 13 emails this week, and uh, we'll see if the other four people that have been handed access to join the league will join. If not, there's going to be four new spots open and available. I'm going to give it a week. We're still in July. But if a week from now, those people haven't joined the league, uh, there will be more spots open. So be aware, be clear. Then there's also two more on top of that that I'm kind of holding there. I didn't want to send out 16 emails to 16 people in case things get confused. And I'd rather be slow and leave room. Now, I want to, this is a PSA here. There's a user on Patreon who used to go by Nathan Peterman. That was the name of the user. Uh, I We talked like in March or February earlier this year about him being in the league. Uh, I can't find him because he changed his username. So, hey, um, paging Nathan Peterman, if you're out there, I'd, I'd love to have you in the league. I promised you a spot. I try to fulfill my promises. I don't want to give your spot away, but I can't find you. So uh, you changed your username. That's totally fine. There was a reason for that. I remember you even telling me you changed your username, but I don't remember what you changed it to when I wrote your name down as Nathan Peterman, not your new username. So, hey, um, guy formerly known as Nathan Peterman, please DM me on Patreon. I want to find you and give you the spot that I told you I would give you. Uh, I don't I don't want to give it away, but you got a week. And if you don't reach out within a week, I will give it away to there's so many people that want to join the league. And it's really cool. I'm really excited. And uh, I don't want to, um, you know, waste my time waiting for someone that I can't find. But I don't want to break my promise either. So Nathan Peterman, if you're out there, the guy formerly known as Nathan Peterman, please reach out. Uh, I'd love to have you in the league. All right. Um, I had an interesting thought this week. I, I, later this week, we'll do an episode covering the Netflix series Quarterback. Um, but as I was watching Quarterback this weekend, the new show on Netflix following Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota, Patrick Mahomes, um, I, I have to acknowledge it's very cool that Netflix followed this quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, around all year, and the guy they were following won a Super Bowl. Like, that's a big deal. You see a lot of times players get documentaries or series about them, and it always ends with them losing or having some struggle or not doing great. And the fact that they, the, one of the guys they followed won the Super Bowl is pretty dang cool. Not surprising. It is Patrick Mahomes. But um, still, what, what I want to acknowledge here is that Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl with Netflix cameras following him around all year long in his personal life, on the field, off the field, everywhere. And I, I want to ask a question here because the New York Jets got hard knocks. They were given the responsibility of being the team featured on HBO's Hard Knocks. And 
Teams who get stuck with hard knocks usually never end up being good. There's a stigma. People call it maybe even a hard knocks curse that if you get hard knocks, you're going to have a bad year. And I want to ask a question. Why are teams that get hard knocks always bad? The big reason is because teams that get hard knocks and teams that are subject to hard knocks aren't good football teams. You'll never see Kansas City after winning a Super Bowl be on hard knocks the next year. They're not eligible. You have to be a bad football team and you cannot be a team with a first year head coach. That makes you ineligible. If you're a first year head coach, they don't also add the distraction of hard knocks. It makes it really difficult for you to do your job in your first year. There were only four teams eligible to be on hard knocks this year. Chicago, Washington, New Orleans, and the New York Jets. But why, why don't teams that have hard knocks often win? Again, it's because teams that are bad are teams that get hard knocks. And it's hard to go from really bad to really great in one year. I, I'm not convinced necessarily that it's all the distraction of hard knocks that makes teams bad during the season. Now, by the way, you can volunteer for hard knocks if you want. No one's done it in years. Like, it's really not a thing that people view as a good thing. So NFL teams are never going to volunteer themselves for hard knocks. The NFL has to choose someone and make it happen. But here's my question. Here's the, the, the thing I want to ask. The thing I've been kind of leading to. Why is hard knocks different than having cameras follow Patrick Mahomes around all year? Why is having cameras doing hard knocks different than the cameras doing the series quarterback? Wouldn't you argue that Patrick Mahomes was distracted all year last year doing interviews for Netflix and doing all this stuff? The the only difference I can see ostensibly with hard knocks between quarterback is two things. A, hard knocks is going to end after training camp. Once the preseason is over, cameras are going to get out of New York and stop following Aaron Rodgers and the Jets around. So that's, A, it's not even going to happen during the season, but B, maybe it coming out week to week is a distraction. Maybe the fact that, you know, I, I talk on Tuesday and then in a meeting somewhere in my, in my you know, my quarterback room or something, and then that following Sunday, the things I said in that quarterback room were being talked about on and shown on hard knocks, and then they're in the media everywhere. Maybe that's what's going on. It's possible that's why it's more distracting. But is it possible that Patrick Mahomes winning a Super Bowl with Netflix cameras following him around all year, is it possible that that actually just breaks this stigma of the hard knocks curse? Like, I don't know why you can't win a Super Bowl or be really good just because cameras are following you around. Patrick Mahomes just did it. Kirk Cousins just made the playoffs with the quarterback people following him around all year. So I'm not convinced the Jets are automatically going to have a bad year simply because they have hard knocks. That seems very silly to me. seems like there's way more factors that are contributing to you being good or bad. It seems like hard knocks are just kind of a non-factor in that equation. But the reason why hard knocks teams are often bad is because bad teams are the only teams eligible to have hard knocks forced onto them. Does that make sense? I think I'm making sense here. But the Jets are not the same team they were last year. Better roster, better quarterback, top to bottom, new offensive coordinator, I, I don't know. I, I think saying, hey, the hard the Jets got hard knocks, therefore they're going to be bad. It's a bit lazy. It's a bit, you know, dismissive. And I find myself really interested in the Jets this year. I think they're going to be really good. And the Jets being the subject of hard knocks is freaking awesome. I cannot wait. Aaron Rodgers, the Jets, what's going to happen? The drama's there. It's going to be really fun. And I'm just surprised that the dismissiveness people are, are kind of throwing the Jets way. Oh, they're going to suck. They got hard knocks. I'm like, I, I just, I don't know. I don't think having cameras necessarily means you're going to be distracted. And I think Patrick Mahomes proves that. He won a Super Bowl with a Netflix crew following him around all year long. Okay, now running backs. Let's talk about them. Today, Monday was the deadline for franchise-tagged players to sign a long-term deal. They either had to sign a deal or play on the franchise tag, and then you cannot renegotiate your contract until after this football season, this fall. Three running backs failed to sign a long-term contract. Tony Pollard in Dallas, Josh Jacobs in Vegas, and Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants. None of them got a long-term contract. They're all going to play for about... $10.9 million this fall. That's what they're going to get paid. One-year deal, $10.9 million. And the running back market is at an all-time, sorry, 10 point, it's really $10.1 million. It's 10.09. So 
1 is, is basically what it is. Let's be clear. Not 10.9, 10.1, or 10.09 to be more correct. Little over a million, little over $10 million is what these running backs, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, and Saquon Barkley, are going to get paid. Now back to what I was saying. The running back market is at an all-time low. Nobody's giving a running back a second contract after their rookie deal. It's just not happening. We saw... You know, um, B. John Robinson get drafted in the first round by the Atlanta Falcons. We saw Jameer Gibbs get drafted in the first round with the Detroit Lions. They're going to play for five years. They, As a rookie, you get a five-year contract. When that five-year contract is up, it is very unlikely B. John Robinson or Jameer Gibbs are going to get another second contract with their football team. Jameer Gibbs is going to play five years in Detroit, probably play really well, bring a lot of value to his football team, and then get booted after five years because that's what has been happening. Same with B. John Robinson. They're going to run him into the ground, use him a ton, take advantage of that five-year rookie contract, and when that contract is over, B. John Robinson is going to get thrown to the street and have to find another team that's going to pay him way less. That's not fair. That's just what keeps happening in the NFL. Nobody wants to give a, a running back a second contract after the rookie deal. Now, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, none of them got one. And they're all going to be their starting running backs this year. I don't anticipate a world where Josh Jacobs is going to hold out in Vegas. He likes Vegas. I think he's the kind of guy to me that strikes me as I'm going to just take my money, keep my head down and go to work. $10 million is better than nothing. I'm just going to do that. I think Tony Pollard's in a similar situation where, hey, $10 million sounds pretty good to me. The one guy who had leverage I thought to maybe get a long-term deal was Saquon Barkley. I didn't think Josh Jacobs or Tony Pollard were going to get one. I thought Saquon Barkley might. He's a huge part of their offense. He's why they made the playoffs last year in New York. They centered their offense around him. And if anyone's going to hold out this fall at the running back position, I think it's Saquon Barkley. I don't think he's going to—it he, doesn't strike me as that kind of guy either. But there is a conversation to be had of whether or not Saquon Barkley could hold out and not show up to training camp and maybe not play week one for the Giants. Take a stand. I don't know what you gain from that. You can't renegotiate your contract till the year is over. But he's upset, and they have no leverage over him now. He was a, a good soldier until they didn't pay him, and now he's like, well, okay. If I were him, I'm not going to half a training camp. Save your legs. You're going to get beat up and destroyed during the year. Don't take any extra hits. Don't. I would just take care of your body and, and don't show up for a while. They got nothing to hang over your head anymore. The Giants need Saquon more than Saquon needs the Giants, in my opinion doesn't take away from the fact that no one's going to give a running back a long-term contract. It's just not happened. Uh, no one's, the last big one I can remember is Ezekiel Elliott getting a long-term deal. Six years and $90 million in Dallas. Well, a couple years later, he's 27 years old and out of the league entirely. Nobody gives running backs a long-term deal because they get hit, their bodies wear out, and they never fulfill their second contract. Dalvin Cook got cut by Minnesota. Can't find a team to play on right now. Dalvin Cook is 27, 28 in a couple, like August 10th, I think is Dalvin Cook's birthday. Don't know. Don't ask me why I know that, but I know that. Joe Mixon just had to take a pay cut so he could stay in Cincinnati and play with Joe Burrow. They spun it really well. His agent was like, oh yeah, I'm going to take a pay cut because I want to stay with Joe Burrow and win a Super Bowl. But the reality is Cincinnati must have approached him and said, take a pay cut or we got to cut you. <laughs> you want to be on this football team? You're going to make less money. Nobody wants to pay running backs. It's unfortunate for the running back position. Uh, if you're a young man in high school or college, avoid playing running back at all costs. If you want to make money doing it. Now, if you're a D3 running back, just play running back. No, like You're not going to go to the NFL. Just do, do the best you can. But if you're a player in high school who's like a five-star athlete that has a chance to be a top-level recruit, you should start taking reps out wide at receiver. I, I, I would, you're going to have a longer career, be more valuable if you play receiver than running back. If you have the possibility to play receiver instead of running back, I would do it. <laughs> if you've got any shot at making money and that's one of your dreams, again, a lot of guys that play running back in high school are not going to play in college, let alone in the NFL. Uh, but man, if you're one of those rare guys, that incredible athlete, the, you know, if you're like, I remember Thomas Tyner when, when I was growing up in Oregon had like, 10 touchdowns in one football game playing for a Loa um, high school. That's the kind of guy, that world-class type of athlete. Hey, switch to receiver. Learn how to catch. Learn how to run routes. That's going to be more valuable for your career long-term. Play receiver instead of running back. 
But with the market at an all-time low, I, I wonder this. Saquon Barkley is 26 years old. Where will he be in four years when he turns 30? Will Saquon Barkley be in the league when he's 30 years old? Is he going to be out of the league? Is he going to be on a different team? How much money is he going to make? I don't know. The Giants have decided not to pay Saquon Barkley long-term. So who's right? Is Saquon right? Is Saquon the rare running back you should have paid, who, when he's 30 years old, is still going to be in the NFL playing at a high level? Or is it more likely Saquon Barkley is just like all the other running backs? Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook. They get hurt. They fall off a little bit. They lose. You know, they, they, Zeke Elliott got hurt. Part of why running backs aren't getting paid uh, more money and getting a second contract is because historically guys in their second contract don't last. McCaffrey got hurt. Dalvin Cook got hurt. Ezekiel Elliott got hurt. You pay these guys with expectations for their second contract, assuming they can keep going what they did their early on in their career as rookies, you know, on the rookie contract. And it's not happened. McCaffrey, I think, is going to still make a, a big con- contribution to the 49ers this year. I'm not, please don't take my words and spin it saying, say, you know, Christian McCaffrey's bad. But my point is this, that a lot of running backs aren't worth that second contract because their bodies aren't going to hold up. That makes me feel gross to say that. It means they probably should get paid more when they're rookies, honestly, so they get their full value, get the money they're owed. But it's understandable why the Giants don't want to pay Saquon, a guy who's been injured before, a guy who's 26 years old, four years from 30. Do you want to give Saquon Barkley a four-year contract and still be paying him when he's 29, 30, considering the fact that he might get hurt and not be the same player? I don't know. I think this year the Giants really need Saquon Barkley. But what's going to be fun is revisiting this kind of drama, this conversation four years from now, five years from now. Is Saquon still in the NFL? If he'd been given a long-term contract, would Saquon Barkley have fulfilled his end of the deal by playing at a high level for years longer? I don't know, but that's what I find interesting here. Who's right? The NFL or the teams? I'm not sure. I understand why teams don't want to pay running backs, though, because you can draft guys in the second or third round that make a big impact immediately as rookies, that you don't have to pay a lot of money. It makes The way we talk about running backs in the NFL makes me feel gross. I know they're usually the top pick in fantasy football. They get used a lot, they get underpaid, and their bodies get destroyed, and it's weird. I don't, I don't know the solution other than I, I see both sides. Players are getting underpaid, but why would you pay players that you don't have to? So it's a... It's a it's a no-win scenario, honestly. Again, my advice is avoid playing running back, honestly, if you can. Like, is Dalvin Cook going to go anywhere? 27 years old. Birthday, August 10th, will turn 28. Are we ever going to see a team sign a running back to a big second contract ever again? Once a running back's rookie deal expires, we're seeing them just d- get discarded and replaced. Running backs have a five-year shelf life in the NFL, basically is what the NFL has said to us. Are we ever again going to see a deal like Ezekiel Elliott, like McCaffrey got, like, uh, I don't know. Ezekiel Elliott's the biggest one I can remember where you're like, oh, really? That's insane. That's a lot of money. And you notice no one's done it since. No one's given Ezekiel Elliott level money to a running back after their rookie contract since then. Is it ever going to happen again? Will we ever see a team again give a running back a big second contract when the rookie contract expires? I'm not sure. But right now, The running back position in the NFL is at an inflection point, and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. This is a story that's going to take years to develop, but let's in five years from now, let's revisit it. 2028, we'll go, hey, where are we at with NFL running backs? Are they, is no one getting a second contract? Are the guys getting paid more early on their rookie contracts? I'm not sure, but if I'm a rookie running back in the NFL, I'm taking all the money I possibly can early in my career because you are not looking like you're guaranteed at all to get a second contract after your rookie contract expires. All right. um, We had a Patreon question last week. A guy named Lucas wrote in. Lucas asked me the question. He said, you know, which NFL team is the most directionless? A team that's not good enough to contend, but not willing to tank and accept a bad position. Which team is kind of just... Right in the middle. Not not good enough for a Super Bowl, but not bad enough to be horrible and tank. 
I, I've been thinking about this all weekend, and I, I think the other day I said, like, the Raiders and the Cardinals or something like that. The team that really came to mind as I, as I spent more time with this question and really thought about it, the Dallas Cowboys are the team that's the most directionless in the NFL. They're the most, to me, I, I often, when I make lists or think about teams that are, you could potentially make the Super Bowl or are interesting, I often just forget about the Dallas Cowboys entirely. Because that's how much I just write them off and discount them. I'm, I, it's, it's interesting to me that that happens. They're a team that's the definition of mediocre. They might make the playoffs, but they're not going to win a Super Bowl. Let's let's talk about what the Dallas Cowboys are. They've got a quarterback, Dak Prescott, who's very average. Not horrible, certainly not top five, certainly not great, making a ton of money. So they've got an overpaid quarterback. They've got an owner, Jerry Jones, who will not give up control of the team and hire a general manager to run things right and make better football decisions. And even worse, Jerry Jones is so controlling that he's got a head coach, Mike McCarthy, who's just a puppet. He, he's not there because of how great and creative and clever he is. He's there because he does what Jerry Jones says. He falls in line. That's the appearance from the outside. I talked the other day about how, you know, it feels like Pete Carroll is still riding the wave from winning a Super Bowl literally 10 years ago. And you're like, what's Pete Carroll done recently in Seattle? You know, he's even more, even more uh, the person doing this, riding their old victories from a long time ago. It's Mike McCarthy, who won a Super Bowl once a long time ago with Aaron Rodgers. It's been a long time since Mike McCarthy was viewed as a great coach. Certainly not in Dallas. And if there's one team that's the most directionless in the NFL, that I, man, they need a new coach. They need a quarterback who's paid less money or like, Look, compare Dak Prescott's contract to Geno Smith's contract. I think they're very similar quarterbacks. I think Geno is a much more team-friendly amount of money to pay for a quarterback who's right around the number 12 best quarterback in the NFL. He's, he's getting paid a reasonable amount of money that allows you to build a roster around him. Geno Smith, great contract from a team perspective. Dak Prescott, backbreaking. It's insane. You got a, an overpaid quarterback, a, a coach who's not creative, not interesting, not compelling, more of a puppet in Mike McCarthy, and an owner who refuses to give up control. The Dallas Cowboys are the most directionless, mediocre football team in the entire NFL. They might make the playoffs uh, when in January when they lose in a wild card or division round. Don't come back to me and say, see, we made the playoffs. No, see, you'd made the playoffs and did nothing again for like the fifth year in a row. That's my point here. The team that has no hope of going any farther, but certainly doesn't want to do anything to go, get any even worse. Does that make sense? That's the most directionless team in the NFL, Dallas. They're not going to win a Super Bowl. You and I both know that. Cowboys fans might yell at you, it's our year, but they say that every year. They're becoming the boy who cried wolf. And the Cowboys are so average, I write them off in my head every year. Even if they win their division, which I don't think they're going to do, they're not going to win a Super Bowl. I'm not just saying this to rile people up. I really believe this. And the more I thought about Lucas's question from last week, the more I was like, you know what? That's it. That's the answer. It's the Dallas Cowboys. They are the most mediocre directionless football team in the NFL. Boy, um, you know what sucks is the unintended result of that topic just now. I'm going to get a lot of hate, a lot of anger. I, I, I really wasn't trying to stir the pot, but I know it's going to. And uh, all I can do is be honest and say what I, what I believe. But I want it clear now. I didn't say that stuff just to make people angry. That, that's not how I operate. That's not how I run a podcast. But that is what's going to happen. Um, I want to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. I got this. I bought, um, I, I was tired of using a plastic water bottle. I realized you're just going to get plastic leached into your, your water all the time. So I bought mason jars to use as cups because they're, you screw the lid on, you can mix up the stuff. I don't like drinking just water. I like to put some kind of additive to make it taste a little better. So here we go. I got this giant mason jar I'm using as a water bottle. It looks kind of goofy, but... Hey, it works. Got a lid. You can screw it on. I, I don't know. Anyone else do that? Anyone else use mason jars as cups? They really are great. Big fan of that. Um, the Atlanta Falcons. Let's talk about it. I would consider myself a believer in the Falcons' new starting quarterback, Desmond Ritter. He's unproven. He's a third-round pick entering his second year in the NFL. Played a little bit last year. But I, I, I don't think Atlanta's going to ask Desmond Ritter to do too much. I think that 
they've got very, I think Atlanta's coaching staff has very realistic expectations for Desmond Ritter. They're going to run the ball a ton. They're just going to ask him to not have insane turnovers and execute the offense. Hey, you got a flat route wide open, throw the ball. We don't need you to run around and make crazy highlight plays like Patrick Mahomes. We just need you to take the open receiver every time. That's more complicated than it sounds. But I, I don't think they're going to ask him to be an incredible quarterback to carry their football team. They're going to ask him to execute and hand the ball off like 5 million thousand times this year. I, I would actually say I think Desmond Ritter is being put in a position to do pretty well. He's going to have help. He's going to have a good running game. And passing-wise, I think they're not going to ask him to do too much. Nothing crazy complicated. Nothing he can't handle. I think it's very likely Desmond Ritter does solid this year. It ends up being about kind of what I think Alex Smith was. The good years of Alex Smith in Kansas City. I think that's what Desmond Ritter is going to become in Atlanta. However, that being said, now that I've given him a vote of confidence from me, I believe in Desmond Ritter. I think it's still worth asking, what do you do if Desmond Ritter's not good? What happens if Desmond Ritter's a bad quarterback this fall in Atlanta? You know what I think they should do if if Desmond Ritter isn't working out? I think Atlanta should trade for 49ers quarterback Trey Lance. He's 23 years old. He can run. He can throw. He's got a massive arm. He's a former number three overall pick, and the 49ers don't know what to do with him. They've got this young quarterback, Brock Purdy, in his second year. He's going to be going to be their starting quarterback. they got Sam Darnold, who, when it comes to being the backup for Brock Purdy, he's more similar to Brock than Trey Lance is, so he can run a lot more of the same stuff. And I think Sam Darnold's going to be the number two quarterback in the 49ers organization. So the 49ers have this quarterback, Trey Lance, who they spent a lot of draft picks to— they, they traded a lot of way to go get him, to draft him. They spent the number three overall pick on him. He's really talented. He's never really played. He's been hurt two years in a row, and they're not sure what he's going to do, and no one knows what to do with him. I think the offense that Trey Lance fits really well into is Atlanta. They're going to run a lot of zone read. They're going to run the ball a bazillion times. Trey Lance is a guy who's a big, powerful runner with a big arm who can throw the ball a long ways, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to throw jump balls to Drake London and Kyle Pitts and probably a lot of the time run like literally— you know, two receivers and a tight end, two receivers, one receiver and one tight end out wide, a bunch of tight ends, a bunch of running backs. They're going to run power football, a lot of stuff in the box. And the times they do throw the ball, I think Desmond Ritter is going to run play action and then huck it deep to Kyle, uh, Kyle Pitts or Drake London. We're going to see a lot of shots downfield and deep balls and jump balls, quite honestly, I think, in Atlanta. There's no reason why Trey Lance can't do that. And if Desmond Ritter isn't working out, if I was Atlanta, I would target Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance would fit really well into their system, running the football a ton, throwing the ball vertically, running the zone read. I don't know. I just think as far as things Arthur Smith could do at quarterback other than Desmond Ritter, if Desmond Ritter doesn't work out, you got to give a long, hard look at and consider trading for Trey Lance out of the 49ers organization. Um, I talked about this, and it kind of came and went, so let's revisit it. I want to be just kind of... Give you a little follow-up. The NFL supplemental draft came and went last week. Uh, nobody got drafted. The two players available were Malachi Wa- uh, Weidman and Milton Wright. Both of them were undrafted. Both of them then became NFL free agents, and uh, neither player is signed with an NFL team yet. So we're just kind of waiting. But I, I, I did talk about the supplemental draft and kind of teasing it as a future event. So nothing happened. These two players, Malachi Weidman and Milton Wright, are scheduling workouts with NFL teams and... I mean, they've got offers. They might end up in the CFL or the XFL as well as maybe the NFL. Uh, but Deion Sanders gave a really interesting quote. Deion Sanders, head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes, he coached Malachi Weidman in college at Jackson State. And he said that Malachi Weidman is an amazing talent, but he was also honest. He said that he's learning how to become a pro. And it sounds like Deion Sanders was very, very straightforward, like way more than a lot of other former coaches who often lie about how great their former player is. Um, it sounds like from Deion Sanders' perspective, Malachi Weidman lacks the habits required to be a really good professional football player. And that's interesting, but he's really talented. And I still am hoping he gets uh, signed and ends up in Pittsburgh. He's six foot five, a really tall, talented, physically gifted receiver who... With the right coaching that could whip him into shape, my goodness, Malachi Weidman's got a lot of potential, and that is what I hope happens to him, but we'll see. 
Uh, sounds like he's probably not going to go anywhere, but uh, maybe the CFL. But keep your eye on that. I'm curious. Uh, and I don't know if you guys are, but I did mention the supplemental draft, and it felt weird to not tell you how it turned out after the fact. All right. Uh, we're going to shift gear and answer some questions from Patreon. If you want to support the show, you go to patreon.com slash Zach Shomler, patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. It's a dollar a month. Please do support the show. It's a huge deal. It helps me pay my rent. It's a dollar a month. You can donate more if you want to. Please do. It literally does pay my rent, pay for my life. Uh, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show, but I, I read basically everything written into me. And my only guarantee really is that I look at every single submission with my eyeballs to pick the top couple to read on the show. And uh, let's jump in with number one today. Logie writes in. Logie says, Hello, Zach's eyeballs. In your last episode, you said you think Buffalo and Seattle should consider getting new head coaches. I agree with that for Buffalo. If Buffalo misses the AFC title game again, they should move on. But not Seattle. Pete is a rookie whisperer and is a very large reason why Seattle made the playoffs at all last year. Once Seattle becomes a true contender like the Bills are now, then it may be time to move off of Pete Carroll, but because they probably won't win a Super Bowl with him. They, sorry. Uh, he says, once Seattle becomes a true contender, like the Bills are now, then it may be time to move off of Pete because they probably won't win a Super Bowl with him. But that time isn't now. Um, so what I said the other day about the Seattle Seahawks was not well received by Seahawks fans. They were not happy. Uh, what I said was that... Um, Basically, Seattle's not going to win a Super Bowl with Pete Carroll. It's been a long time. I don't think it's the right coach to get them where they might want to go. I made a big assumption. I assumed Seahawks fans want to win a Super Bowl. Uh, it seems like maybe they don't. I'm not sure. Um, like Logie writes in here with the, the idea of maybe using Pete Carroll to become a contender and then ditch him after that. Because he, he is, I, I love Pete Carroll, man. He develops young players. He's a good defensive coach. I'm not hating on the guy. And I, I'm not suggesting Seattle fires Pete Carroll today. That's a terrible idea. I was talking about next year. Maybe I should have made that more clear on Friday when I talked about this topic. But if I were Seattle, after this year when you don't win a Super Bowl and you're not really a contender, I'd say, hey, what's it going to take to get us over the top and make us an even better football team? Then I would consider getting rid of Pete Carroll. Uh, he's not going anywhere today. People acted like I said, fire him immediately. Hire Eric Pitt. No, no, no. I'm saying next year. This, this upcoming offseason. Then let's have that conversation. What are we going to do with Pete Carroll? Because I just don't know that Pete Carroll's the guy. Is Pete Carroll going to coach Seattle back to a Super Bowl? I don't think so. I think the NFL has changed since the last time he went to a Super Bowl. We're seeing Bill Belichick even struggle to get his football team to the playoffs. Bill Belichick's the most successful NFL coach in history and, and probably the best. But even he, without an offensive coordinator, without a great offense, he's struggling in the NFL, which is so, so interesting. If Belichick can't win in today's NFL with a more pass-heavy offense and an offensive-dominated league as a defensive coach, what about Pete Carroll, who was never the coach Bill Belichick was? I would say, man, look, when, when Seattle comes up short, this offseason, this season. In January, they lose probably, maybe they make the playoffs. They, it's very possible they beat the 49ers for the division. But when Seattle doesn't go to the Super Bowl this year, then I would say, look, do you guys want to win a title? Hey, Seahawks fans, like, what do you want? Are you a fan base that isn't hungry? Are you just happy and satisfied with what's going on? Or do you not want more? Because I would want more if I was a Seahawks fan. That leads me to another question from Diffie Bulow, also about Seattle. He says, as a biased Seattle fan, it seems like we may be poised for a big year. The passing attack on paper looks legit with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett returning after a really solid year last year. Plus, the addition of Jackson Smith and Jigba makes me really excited. The defense had some key signings to bolster their secondary and defensive line. And our other first-round pick, Witherspoon, is very exciting. With all that and a potentially weaker NFC West, aside from the Niners, I'm feeling optimistic. Am I being unrealistic? No! Diffie Bulow, I think that Seattle's got a lot of potential, man. They're a, they're a team that's got a lot of young players that are awesome. they got this receiving core that's incredible. Jackson Smith and Jigba, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. It's a matchup nightmare for defenses. And I think the 49ers are going to get really, really challenged by Seattle for that division, the NFC West. I think Seattle could win their division. That's what people miss. I think people think I say, 
because I think Pete Carroll may not be the future of Seattle, people think I'm saying Seahawks are terrible and going to lose. That's not what I'm saying. They're a good football team who I think deserves an even better coach to take them farther. That's what I'm saying. Is Pete Carroll the guy to get the most out of this offense? An offense-driven league? I don't think so. Pete Carroll's a defensive head coach. I think it's a problem. I'm not a huge believer in Shane Waldron. He's part of why Russell Wilson left and struggled. I, you could argue he's part of what broke Russell Wilson. I don't know. I, 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 we'll see what happens with Seattle. I'm, I'm not saying they're terrible. I think they're a good football team that could win a lot. That's part of why I'm suggesting maybe Pete Carroll get axed. Because I think there's a good football team in Seattle that should win a lot more than they've been winning in recent years. And man, if they don't win a lot this year, then you got to get rid of Pete. I think everyone would agree on that. But even if Seattle makes the playoffs this year, which I think they've got potential to do, I think they could win their division. Even so, I would say, hey, do you want to go farther than Pete Carroll can take you? Because I don't know that he's going to win you a Super Bowl. I think he's got one or two years left, and I don't think he's going to go any farther. So that's what I was saying. Uh, but I really, I, I want to be clear. I believe in Seattle. I think they're going to be really good and really hard to beat. And I love Geno Smith, and I love their offense. But we don't know how long Geno Smith has to play at a high level. Matt Schaub, who came out of nowhere, was a backup, played really good for four years, then was a backup again. There was a short window where Matt Schaub was great. I'm worried Geno Smith is about what Matt Schaub is. Later in his career, kind of getting fire and playing really well. Is Geno Smith going to be great in five years? I don't think so. So you better get an offensive coach who can capitalize on what Geno Smith can do now before Tyler Lockett's too old. Get a coach who can take advantage of what they got on offense in Seattle. That's what I'm arguing. And uh, I don't think Pete Carroll is that coach. All right. Uh, Davis writes in, says, Zach, who is one free agent player that you're amazed hasn't been picked up by a team? I'm surprised that I haven't seen Dalvin Cook picked up yet. He's an older running back, yes, but if I'm a team with a younger quarterback, I'm getting Dalvin Cook to run the ball in the red zone. He's still got some power. Davis, that's the player I think of too, actually. Dalvin Cook's 27, 28 in August. And he's really interesting. He's, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's great at pass blocking. He's not perfect. He's not the most well-rounded running back. He, he's not the best pass catcher, not the best guy at, at blocking. But man, he runs the ball really well. He does other things fairly well. And I, I'm surprised if I'm Kansas City or New England or the Jets, who's got a chance to be good and it can never hurt to have more depth at running back. I would sign Dalvin Cook. And uh, I think if you're Dalvin Cook, you want to go to a good team and win. Either go to a good team that's going to win a lot of games like Kansas City or go to a place where they got good people to work with, whether that's playing for Bill Belichick in, in New England or playing with Aaron Rodgers, a great quarterback in New York. Um, Dalvin Cook is a guy I'm most fascinated with because I think he can contribute. And I think he's gotten some good stuff left to give. And I wonder where he's going to go. I don't think he's going to get a big contract anywhere, but you can still play football and make some money. And you, if you go to the right place, Dalvin Cook could win a lot. If Dalvin Cook wants to win a Super Bowl, I think that's possible. Go to Kansas City or Buffalo or Cincinnati. And if you, you, if you agree to take on less money, you can go anywhere you want, really. You're Dalvin Cook. So I, I, I'm curious how much money's a factor, how much teams don't want him. But man, you know, the one place he might be able to go and, and really contribute is Atlanta. Like Atlanta is going to run the football so much and you can never have enough good running backs in Atlanta, in my opinion. And Dalvin Cook as a mentor to B. John Robinson. And I don't know, I, I think that they've got an embarrassment of riches of the running back position in Atlanta. But if I were them, I would say, hey, we're going to build our team so centered and focused around the running back position. We should probably have a backup plan in case the guys we got in the backfield now get hurt. Because you never know. Running backs, injuries can pile up. And when your sole focus as an offense is on the running back position like Atlanta is, you want to have as much room to breathe as possible. So if Bijan Robinson gets hurt, if everyone else gets hurt, you want Dalvin Cook as well there. And I don't think it can hurt at all. So um I am curious why Atlanta wouldn't be maybe pursuing Dalvin Cook as a guy to add depth and be a, more of a one-two punch to go with Bijan Robinson, but um, I don't know. Dalvin Cook's the guy I'm obsessed with seeing where he's going to go. I have no idea where he's going to end up, but I'm very, very fascinated to see where he will play this fall and, and will he play somewhere this fall because I, I would be shocked if Dalvin Cook didn't sign anywhere by week one. 
but he's a running back. He's going to, he doesn't need to really play in training camp. He needs to get in the system and learn the offense, I guess, well enough to, to run the right direction on handoffs and stuff and know what the pass protections are and your little things there here and there. But running back's a little less complicated than other positions on offense in the NFL. And man, I, I think he could show up near the end of training camp somewhere and, and by week one be up to speed and ready to go while also taking care of his body and not, not going through training camp and getting unnecessary hits and stuff like that. So I think Dalvin Cook is going to go to an NFL team just much later, before, you know, right around the beginning of the NFL season. All right, Zach writes in. Zach says this. He says, Hello, fellow Zach. I've been thinking about the rivalry between Peyton Manning and Tom Brady a lot recently. My question is, who are the two quarterbacks that have a similar rivalry today that Brady and Manning had in the past. To me, it's Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. In back-to-back years, the AFC title has been Kansas City against Cincinnati. Joe Burrow against Patrick Mahomes. And in 2020, it was Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. So Josh Allen is close, man. Josh Allen is maybe what Roethlisberger was to Brady and Manning, a guy who also can win and is also right there at the top of the AFC. But I, I think the really the real the real rivalry between Patrick Mahomes and anybody else is Joe Burrow because they've got so much trash talk. You heard teams saying, oh, we're going to Burrowhead and things like that. And players on both sides talking smack in favor of Pat or Joe. And, and what's more likely to see be seen in, in February this next year? Is it more likely we see Kansas City against, I guess it would be January. When it comes to AFC title at the end of this year, I think we're more likely to see Kansas City against Cincinnati than we are to see Kansas City against Buffalo. I think Kansas City is probably going to be there. Who's their opponent? Probably Cincinnati. And I feel more strongly that Cincinnati is going to be there than Buffalo. That leads me to another question, though, from Jonah. Jonah says, good to have you back, Zach. It looks like there's a real rivalry brewing between Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. Seems to be the new age of quarterbacks reviving historically struggling franchises. I would add Patrick Mahomes in there. But he seems to be becoming more of a Tom Brady who everybody hates because they understand you can't, you just can't beat him. Would like to get your thoughts on this, as it's hard to tell if anyone truly is a rival with Patrick Mahomes, more so as they're trying to get up to his level. Thanks, and I hope you're doing well. I think the closest thing to a rivalry between Patrick Mahomes and anybody is Joe Burrow. But it also is Patrick Mahomes and then literally everybody else. Who's the best quarterback in the NFL? Unquestionably, it's Patrick Mahomes. And there's no... No one in the right mind is going to argue that Joe Burrow is better than Patrick Mahomes. I think Joe Burrow is amazing. I think he's number two. I think that third is Josh Allen. And very clearly to me, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow are fighting for that number two spot behind Patrick Mahomes as the second best quarterback in the NFL. But all three of these quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, they all, every time they play each other, it's amazing. So I think the Brady, I don't know that you have just two guys at the top, but you got these three quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Patrick Mahomes, all at the top of the AFC. All as, in my opinion, the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. And all of them, when they play each other, it is unbelievable television. I love watching it. And uh, I think that's all you need to know. I, I don't know rivalry this or that. I think they all three of them, when they play each other, it's it's interesting either way, whether it's Mahomes playing Burrow or... Burrow playing Josh Allen or Josh Allen playing Mahomes. Every time any one of these quarterbacks plays the other other one, it's an incredible game and really fun to watch. And uh, I think that's enough said right there. Golden Leo writes in and says, hey yo, holy moly, Zach Ramoni. hey yo, holy Zach Ramoni. I don't know what that... You're trying something, and I appreciate it, but I don't, I don't really follow. Anyway, Golden Leo says... I know you aren't the most into the MLB, but I was curious if you had any strong opinions on the rule changes with the 2023 season. The bigger bases and limits to the shift seem to have had a decent impact, slightly improving offense and base stealing. Meanwhile, the pitch clock has significantly changed the game in a variety of ways, beyond just making games over 30 minutes shorter on average. Do you think this is an improvement? I, I love the new MLB. The, the, the pickoff rule is huge. Um... You can only pick up, I think, twice uh, during an at-bat, and then that's it. And by the third time, it's a free base for the guy behind him. I believe I believe that's how that rule works. It's leading to more steals. It's leading to running, you know, runners challenging pitchers a little more. Um, 
all of it's great. I, I think the MLB this year has been a huge improvement. I've actually been watching Major League Baseball for the first time in years. Not enough that I feel like I can accurately follow it. Baseball is, I mean, cover Like, baseball is so big and gigantic. To try to cover it and follow it day-to-day is just not a, a feasible thing for me. But I watch it, and I enjoy it. And um, I've been trying to reward Major League Baseball by having it. Whenever I'm working at my desk, I have it off to the right. It's playing because I, I really want to reward what baseball is doing. They deserve credit. It's been a really great year, really entertaining, really fun. And um, I just really appreciate baseball finally being willing to make changes and evolve as a league and become a better product. That's what they've done, and it's really, really cool to see. So um, I love it. I've been loving baseball this year, and uh, I think it's worthy of um, kind of some credit for the, the changes the MLB has made. Uh, it's been really, really awesome. Final write-in of the day, Anthony writes in, Anthony says, Hey, Zach, just want to say I've been a listener for as long as I can remember. And I've loved following your journey, and I'm just so happy that you're back releasing shows. Your persistence and story is inspiring to me. I've been at minicamp for the past few weeks for the Division I FCS school I play at, and your podcasts have been great to listen to during my downtime and when falling asleep. I don't really have a question or anything, just wanted to read this message, wanted you to read this message and let you know that I'm a huge supporter and will be throughout anything. Thank you, Anthony. That means a lot. Um, dude, I hope training camp's going well, man. I remember those days. It's not easy at all. Your body's tired. Everything hurts. Your hips and your legs. Uh, Anthony, I wish you the very best of luck during training camp. Thank you for writing in. I appreciate your support. And uh, man, dude, um, let's talk behind the scenes because I'd love to know what you play and, and root for you a little bit and kind of follow your team this year. So uh, let's have a conversation behind the scenes, Anthony. But I really appreciate your support, and uh, that goes to Anthony and everyone else out there. Thank you so much. Um, happy Monday. Uh, it's going to be kind of a weird week of shows this week because i got a guest on Wednesday, which will come out Thursday. Normal show Friday. I'm not sure whether there's going to be a show. There's going to be four shows this week, but I want to do an episode breaking down that Netflix show Quarterback for like an hour, basically. Uh, and that's going to be its own thing, and it just depends on how quickly I can get it done. I, I'm going to be watching the rest of that show all night tonight and tomorrow. If I can get it done in time, I'll just record that episode tomorrow afternoon. Um, there will be four shows this week, but if the schedule's kind of funky, we're not in the NFL football season yet, and I'm playing around with stuff. So um, just, you know, I'll see when I see you. I'll see you definitely Thursday. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day. And uh, ba-dum, bum, bam, we are done. Actually, wait, no, no. I said goodbye, but I should, should say one more thing. The guest is Marcus Whitman, uh, that franchise guy. I love him. Uh, that'll come out Wednesday. So, like, there, <laughs> if there's no show tomorrow, Tuesday, it's because I'm, I'm watching that show and trying to get a, an episode about, out about it. But uh, I'll see you very soon. I love you guys. Anyway, have a great day. And uh, 